Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you again. I'm Father Morgan Reed, uh, the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church, and I'm grateful to be here with you this morning on this beautiful day to celebrate the Feast of St. Barnabas. Let me pray for us. Lord, would you bind up the things that are hurt? Would you heal our wounds and redeem the places where we feel broken? And help the things that I speak today to be from your spirit. Would you show us how to live a life of following you uh, through your servant, St. Barnabas. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, this is a, a, a season where we focus on the work of the Holy Spirit in a special way. Um, often we wear green. We would have worn green today if it weren't for the feast day of, of St. Barnabas. And two weeks ago, we celebrated the Feast of Pentecost together, where the Holy Spirit came on the disciples of Jesus for carrying out his kingdom ministry. And one of the new things that God was doing at that time was bringing Jew and Gentile into one body in Christ. This was a new thing. It's a completely new paradigm for the disciples. And when it comes to thinking about what the kingdom of God is going to look like, they're charged with bringing the good news to the Jews first, then to the Samaritans, then to the ends of the earth, which is the reference to the Gentiles. And I would imagine that bringing the gospel to Jews in the synagogue is one thing, but bringing the gospel of Jesus to the lives of pagans is quite another thing. Uh, People with different religions, different philosophies, different ways of living that are unfamiliar to them. And when we come to Acts 11 today, what we come to is that we see the gospel of Jesus spilling over into a new people. It's spilling over into pagan peoples. The Holy Spirit is doing a new and a miraculous thing. And St. Barnabas gives us a great example of somebody who pays attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. He discovers God's grace when he's there, and when he discovers it, he fosters it. Um, And he brings other people in to help cultivate the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a helpful paradigm when we think about ministry, when we think about discipleship. First, we search for the grace of God, then we cultivate it, and finally we bring others into that work. So first, we we look for the reforming grace of the Holy Spirit. Because of persecutions, Christians were now in Phoenicia, and they were in uh, Cyprus and Antioch. You can think of that region as being um, northern Lebanon. Cyprus is still Cyprus today. It's an island in the Mediterranean. Um, And then Antakya today in southern Turkey. And the mission was primarily to Jews in those places. That's what the text says. But it's interesting that in this text, it seems that some of the followers of Jesus dared to 
believe uh, that the gospel was for more than the Jews. And they dared to take this universal call to Jesus seriously. And they started inviting Gentiles into it in Antioch. They dared to believe that God would do something with their loaves and fishes kind of testimony about who Jesus is. So when we think of ancient Antioch, which is where this story takes place, it's about 600,000 people. You can think of a metropolis about the size of Washington, D.C. And it was very large. Uh, As far as Roman cities go, it was diverse. People from all walks of life. Next to Rome itself and Alexandria, this was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And all of a sudden, God was moving in the metropolis. And pagans were coming to Jesus for the first time. And that was definitely outside of what people expected. So that was drawing the attention of Christians who were back in Jerusalem who wanted to verify that these people were actually following Jesus. So Barnabas gets sent to verify. What do we know, what do we know about Barnabas uh, from the book of Acts? We know that his original name wasn't Barnabas. He's actually named Joseph. But the disciples call him, uh, the apostles call him Barnabas, son of encouragement. Uh, Interestingly, the word encouragement is related to the paraclete word that gets used for the Holy Spirit. Um, So it's fitting that he would be a man also characterized by being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was from the tribe of Levi, so of the priestly class of the Israelites. He was a native of Cyprus, so he knew Greek. Um, that the island that was mentioned out in the Mediterranean. So he's a Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's from Cyprus, so he's ethnically well suited for the task of seeing what God is going to do among the Gentiles. He loves to see God's work. He's open-minded about it. He's from the priestly tribe of Levi, so he has some clout. Um, and he's probably well versed in Jewish teaching. He knows Greek well. And as the text says, he's a good man who's filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, we find Barnabas selling off a field in order to take the proceeds and lay them at the feet of the apostles for the mission work of God. And so this is a man who loves to create capacity for God's will to be done, even to his own hurt, to his own inconvenience. So Barnabas is not one of the 12 apostles. But he's actually sent as a representative of them, a a trusted representative of the apostles. He's somebody who likes to discover the grace of God, and then who also likes to foster it and bring it to bear on others. Whether it's um, giving money to the apostles, or we find in Acts 9, he actually intercedes on behalf of Saul of Tarsus when Saul converts to Christianity. Barnabas is a pretty pivotal figure in the book of Acts. Um, for getting things started. And so he's a good man. He's full of faith. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He is somebody who gets things started, uh, uh, projects in the kingdom of God. And, and the work of God goes forth in people when they're filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. Um, and they work on recognizing God's grace and cultivating it wherever it's found, seeing what it can actually shape people into. And then what Barnabas does is he gives them an exhortation. He tells them to remain deeply and sincerely faithful to the Lord. And I was thinking about this this week. I wonder how Barnabas discovered the grace of God. 
Like, do you think he actually sat down with somebody and had sort of an interrogation of their dogma? Uh, you know, sort of sitting under the light like a like a police interrogation? Probably not. How did he learn that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that the that grace of God was there? He probably watched how they worshipped. He probably listened to how they talked to one another. He, he probably saw their care for others around them. And his conclusion is, the grace of God is here. Maybe they don't have all the doctrinal formularies spelled out yet. That's going to take time. But the Holy Spirit is present in these Gentile Christians in Antioch. And having concluded that God's grace is there... His encouragement to them is to sincerely continue in, in following Jesus. Because things aren't always going to be easy. So continue to sincerely follow Jesus. Grace isn't just something to look back on uh, that happened once. Grace is something that we grow into. And so he's going to stay uh, for the next year for their growth in grace. One of the hopes that I have as we think about our congregation as a new work of God, right, in the last two years, is that when somebody comes in on a Sunday, that they would hear God's grace from your lips. And I don't just mean when we're singing, um, though that's true. Like, I I hope that people hear God's grace from your lips over a cup of coffee. Um, My hope is that as the kids play, uh, that they learn things from one another about joy, about forgiveness, about restoring friendship. Um, All these important life lessons where God's grace is at work, even from tender ages. Um, My hope is that when days are hard, that you would feel the confidence and the comfort to text or call somebody else in the church and to say, you know what, man, I really need prayer this week. This is what's going on. Or better yet, that you would feel the confidence to text or call somebody and say, hey, like I'm going through this. Could I have just like an hour of your time? And that you would be met with an open door and a cup of coffee and, and a table to sit at. That this would be a place where the grace of God is found. So as we search for God's grace um, and the work of the Holy Spirit in others, one of the other things that we learn from St. Barnabas is that we need to be self-aware enough to bring others into the work of cultivating the gospel Um, We don't all have all the gifts that are necessary to build a community. And so we need to have enough self-awareness to bring others into the work. We're called to look for the grace of God, then to cultivate it, and finally, to bring others into that work with us. And so St. Barnabas seems to be, from this text, something of a mentor to Saul of Tarsus, or St. Paul. He goes out, he looks for Saul, says, let's bring Saul back, I need him for this next year. He recognizes in Saul the gifts that he needs to bring this community to a place of health, a place of sustainability, and a place of flourishing. Notice it's not about just getting more people in the door. It's about health, sustainability, flourishing, growth, and grace. And so they stay there for a a year there, working side by side with one another in the church in Antioch as that community grows in health. And the amazing result of their work is actually given to us. So Agabus is this prophet, and he says that there's going to be a a famine in Jerusalem. And there was. And when that famine happened, what you find is that as a result of this intentional discipleship, the community says, why don't we help our brothers and sisters who are going through a famine? So they take up an offering together, 
They send it with Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. They redistribute it over there to help their brothers and sisters. Imagine Gentiles in Antioch all of a sudden caring for Jews in Jerusalem. And only the gospel can do that. An intentional discipleship. So one of the challenges in starting a new church is the amount of effort that we have to go through to come closer together uh, to, one, to one another in prayer and in fellowship. Like that's the bulk of our time. And that's a good thing because that is one of the, the things that we need to do that's deeply vital for uh, creating a community of faith in Jesus. But one of the dangers of focusing so hard on that together is that it, it can make a community turn inward. And I'm not saying that this community does that, but I've been in places where that's happened before, and a church exists only for itself. And so, whether it's, um, you know, given enough time, maybe there's a, a point in time where there's an element of the culture that we want to retain, uh, or something, but um, but the, the problem is, a church can, a community can turn inward and focus just on its own life. But Barnabas challenges them to remain faithful to the Lord. Uh, with a steadfast purpose. And I think we need the same encouragement. It means to, uh, it means keeping God's mission before our eyes at all times. Even, even if um, the things that we feel like we're doing are pretty mundane, keeping God's mission before our eyes at all times, in the mundane spaces, in the challenging relationships, in the difficult work decisions we have to make, in, in the challenging clients we have to deal with, even on the positive end, with the ways that we find joy in our leisure or exercise or vacation, whatever it is, the mission of God needs to remain before our eyes. And, and so we're to be faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. There's also a principle, I think, of discipleship that we learn from St. Barnabas, which is to do ministry and then to bring others along and highlight their gifts for the building up of community. And one of the questions that I've asked myself this week, you could ask yourself as sort of an accountability is, who am I discipling? Who am I discipling? What comes into your mind when that happens? And when we ask that question, we can think maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a child, a neighbor. Maybe it's your team at work. I don't know who this is for you. Um, But whatever... Whoever God has put into your life to disciple, the call is to be steadfast and intentional and to look for his grace in that person or those other persons and to highlight it for them, for the building up of God's kingdom. Do we pray for that person when I ask the question, who are we discipling? Do we pray for them every day? Do we think about what does maturity look like for that person? Because we need all of your gifts in the church. As we think about this as a community, um, there are people who are really gifted at encouragement. I know that if I'm having a good day, there are certain people in the church I call just to, I know I will receive encouragement from them. Um, There are people in here who are really good at starting initiatives. There are people who are great at fine-tuning the logistics of a plan. Uh, There are people who have ideas. There are people who are gifted at administration love to show hospitality and open their homes up. You get the point. There are lots of gifts in a community like this for the building up of the kingdom of God. And so our job is to uh, bring others along with us into that work. And like St. Barnabas, 
to be more concerned with the kingdom of God being built than our own credit for it. That's one of the things that's really impressive about St. Barnabas. He's not concerned about his reputation in the church at Antioch. What he's concerned about is, as a mature believer, building a mature community. And he realizes his need to bring others into that work. And so he's self-aware of how others can complement his gifts. So he gives us the example of, of somebody who loves Jesus. Somebody who loves to see the new things that the Holy Spirit is going to do. And he's more interested in God's kingdom than his own reputation. He's somebody who strives for maturity so that he, could build, he might build a mature community. And he's self-aware enough to bring somebody else into the work with him. That he can mentor and that he can bring their gifts to bear on the community. So on this feast day of St. Barnabas... Let's remember what God calls us to uh, as a paradigm for discipleship, that we are called to look for the grace of God, that we're called to cultivate it, and that we are called to bring others into that work with us. Let's pray. Oh God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh. And hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.